Welcome to devmode.fm, a podcast dedicated to the tools, techniques, and technologies used in modern web development. I'm Andrew Welch from NY Studio 107. And I'm Ryan Ireland from craftquest.io and from Texas. And today we have on Ben Croker from Put Your Lights On. How you doing, Ben? I'm great. Good evening. And do you have an official title at this company or? Um, the Sprigler, I guess. The no. Sprigler. <laughs> okay. So... And we have you on today because we wanted to talk to you about a little something called Sprig. So, Ben, if you were sailing in the North Atlantic on the HMS Sprig Tail, when a rogue wave smashes your ship into pieces and you're left floating in the cold North Atlantic waters, clinging to pieces of the bow, and you can only read the word Sprig off of it, it was kind of broken off. And the cook who's clinging to the piece of the boat next to you says, hey, before I die, I want to know what Sprig is. What would you tell him? <laughs> Wow. Um, I love the context of that. I guess I would say, this is assuming a little bit, but I would say that Sprig allows your backend Twig templates to respond to user interactions that take place on the front end. If his eyes glazed over, <laughs> then I might say something like, well, if you were on one ship and I was on another ship, Sprig is, is the carrier pigeon sending messages back and forth or something like that. Okay, I don't so know. we got two ships passing in the night. Now I'm even more confused, but it sounds like this is something that we have to use. So it's something that is only of use with the Twig templating language. Is it useful anywhere or only in the craft CMS context or, or what's the deal with that? Right. So at its core, Sprig is a craft CMS plugin. Mm -hmm. um, so it will only work with craft. And as craft uses the Twig templating language, it's also based around that. So okay. that is that is the uh, prerequisite. So Twig is a backend templating language. So a request happens and it goes off to the server and it gets rendered on the server via Twig, uh, which is compiled to PHP and then the PHP executes and then the HTML response is returned. Mm -hmm. You just mentioned something about some kind of interactivity and that doesn't make any sense from the context of a backend rendering that happens with Twig. So how, what, what are you talking about? Yeah, I don't know why this is so hard to explain because it's really not complicated. But mm -hmm. no, normally Twig templates, as you mentioned, they're rendered by PHP on the back end, right? So they compile down to PHP and then mm -hmm. those are rendered on page load. Those get served to the browser and then they're kind of out of the picture until the next page load. Whereas JavaScript, the JavaScript engine runs continually inside of the browser. So as you're clicking things on the page and scrolling around the page, JavaScript is able to respond to that and interact with it. So those would be kind of the user interactions that I was talking about. And up until now, there's been kind of a disconnect there where you have this front end engine running continually in the browser. And then you have Twig, which is actually being rendered on the server. But due to the nature of PHP, it's PHP fires up, it renders the template, it sends it back down, and then it closes that connection. And then it's not involved in that request anymore. So what Sprig facilitates is kind of a connecting those two front-end, back-end worlds. And it's not through magic, it's through very simple AJAX requests, which have been around for a long, long time, and which most people will be familiar with, especially if they have any experience with JavaScript. And what is actually happening behind the scenes is that Sprig has two parts to it. It has the, the craft plugin, which handles the requests that come in. Uh, it handles the re-rendering and sending those back and managing all of the component stuff, which we will get into. And then there is a front-end aspect to Sprig, which is 
actually a, a different library called HTMX, which is a JavaScript library, which handles the AJAX requests and listening for triggers. So there are those two aspects and Sprig facilitates those two communicating with, with one another. And it does it in a way that's pretty much seamless. So you don't need to write any JavaScript. You need to set up a few HTML attributes, which will define what user interactions trigger what backend actions. And then the rest kind of happens seamlessly. All right. So before people click off <laughs> and my analytics on the show take a dive, let's tell people what they would use this for, because I think that'll be really helpful. You know what I mean? In other words, what kind of simple, without getting into the tech details or whatever, what kind of problems does Sprig solve for you? So my, I'm going to set it up like I would guess it solves the problem where in the past you might have used jQuery or you might use Vue or you might use React to kind of add some interactivity to the front end. It Does it solve that? And what specific real world examples does it solve? Yeah. So before we go into those, maybe I might mention that it's for, for anyone listening, if like I know it's difficult through the medium of audio and podcasts to, to kind of wrap your mind around this. I would say at this stage, maybe go to the Sprig cookbook, which is available to put your lights on.com and there are lots oh, no. of everyone's just everyone's just clicked off oh god <laughs> well they have this on their podcast I'm, right this i'm i'm kidding now I'm everyone kidding, opens but... their laptops while they're driving oh my god <laughs> do you're that. responsible for thousands of deaths all, all around the world what are you doing ben? Oh. it's a pandemic well, you... <laughs> sorry <laughs> i'll mute myself now <laughs> wow i love Ooh. it well, Ben is, he's dying in the North Atlantic, so he doesn't care. You know, what does he care? Right. So let's, well, I'm talking to the cook, right? So cookbook okay. seems appropriate. So okay. go to the cookbook and there's examples there uh, with code, but, but actual working examples, not just, you know, animated GIFs and stuff. So you can click around and see what this might actually be used for. And what I always tell people when they, when we're talking about this is open the, the browser dev tools, look at what Sprig does, like what it changes in your code and have the, the network tab open as well so you can see what's actually going on and what the requests look like what the responses look at look like but um in terms of yeah like some real world case uses i guess the one that i always begin with is you have a page which is listing articles and maybe your your website has thousands of articles so you don't want to list them all on that one page so you have a few choices here. You could set up pagination where you're on, you start off on page one and then at the bottom, let's say 10 articles are displayed with a summary. And then at the bottom, there's a next page, or you can maybe show how many pages and allow people to click on those. So if we take that example, then when I hit next page, what happens is that we get a, a full page refresh because HTML is only able to do full page refreshes really, isn't it? Through, through anchor links, anchor tags and links and through form submissions. That's all HTML is able to do on its own without JavaScript. Mm -hmm. So what Sprig allows you to do is to hook, let's say we have a next button or show more. It's probably more appropriate, or that might be a different example. No, we're, we're sticking with pagination. So next page, and you can very easily with a HTML attribute, hook that button up so that it becomes reactive. And now when you click on that button, you don't get a full page refresh, which isn't very performant, right? Because you need to get the entire contents of the page and you need to do all the backend rendering for much more than what you actually, what will actually update in the page, which is just those 10, 10 article titles and summaries, let's say. So when you hook that button up to Sprig, 
what comes back, and this happens without a page request, uh, a page refresh, what comes back is just the HTML that needs to be swapped out. So the next 10 articles already formatted with their markup and then Sprig or HTMX will take care of swapping them out. And it can also update the page number, for example. So practically speaking, what that looks at like is I hit next page and within probably 100 milliseconds or thereabouts, the content is just swapped out on the page and I'm probably brought back up to the top and I can continue browsing. So this is essentially, this is doing a diff in a way, right? So it's it's doing partial template re-rendering based on whatever inputs have changed, as opposed to if we just did kind of the old style way, it's going to re-render the entire page. And in this case, you're kind of just doing a partial template re-rendering where you're just re-rendering a small part of a template and just kind of patching that change back into the DOM. Is that what you're doing? Yeah, that's exactly it. And that, that's that's exactly what's going on in that, so we don't have one big template where we have everything. We have what Sprig calls components, which are, they work very similar to how you would have an included template in Twig, mm. right? So we use includes a lot so that we can reuse pieces of code. So with Sprig, you create a component, which would be simply a Twig template. And in there, for example, you would have the 10 articles and you just create a for loop that loops over articles one to 10, except that you would make that dynamic. Instead of hard coding in, give me the first 10, you would say limit to 10 and maybe set the offset to a, well, a variable i, right? And that would be the offset. So initially that would be zero. So you'd be starting from the beginning. And each time I click the next page, that number would be incremented, in this case, 10 times. So for anyone listening, I mean, it sounds like a real good analogy, and you you touched upon it, is that if you're used to doing includes, like maybe you write some kind of a component or a partial as an include, and you're used to including that via Twig, when you use Sprig, you could almost call it a dynamic include, in that you're still including it, but there's some additional magic behind the scenes that allows it to be reactive and re-render based on changes. So kind of a dynamic include? Yeah, you could call it that. You use it, I mean, the syntax is almost exactly the same as as using the include function. In Twig, we have the include is a function, but you can also use it as a tag. But according to the docs, actually, they recommend using the function because you could you can add extra parameters on. So Twig function for the include would just be the output tags, the word include, and then braces, and then whatever the name of the template is. And Sprig pretty much follows that exactly, except that instead of include, you use the function name Sprig. And what you pass into there is the name of a template. And you can and put that in similar to how you would probably do with includes. You put that in a hidden template folder. I usually put it in one called components just to differentiate the two. But that's how it works practically. Yeah. But it's all still just it's all still just Twig templates. So the the naming convention of components is just that. It's it's a naming convention. It's a naming convention. Yeah. And you can call it whatever you want. The reason I like the word component, even though it's a bit generic, is that it differentiates an a regular include included template from one that is reactive in this way. Mm-hmm. Right. So what and- I mentioned earlier of that that component or that template being passed in a variable for the offset, that is something that like you would actually write it the exact same way as you would write in an include template accepted in this case you assume that that number or that variable can change and that's the dynamic aspect of it yeah yeah it's a dynamic include or a live include or, or whatever i think this is the the one thing that kind of made it connect 
for me when when we were going over this together is if you look at the you can even go into your cookbook if you look at the one of the examples and inspect it and just look at the XHR request and look at the response you can see the response right is just that little component and the updates to it yeah. I think it's pretty cool yeah and this is kind of like something that we've all done before in one way or another in that we've used Ajax to like fetch something and then change the DOM and you know whatever but it sounds like you're making this so much nicer from a mental model because you just use Twig everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's Twig and it's Twig for your components. It's Twig for your includes and your layouts and all that kind of stuff. You just write everything in in Twig, and then you have one mental model that you have to deal with. And the Sprig does a little magic to kind of make it interactive. Yeah, and the nice side effect of that is that you have all of your templates in one place, right? You're managing all of your templates in Twig, and all of your your logic happens in there as well. So rather than well, I guess let's let's look at the two where where Sprig kind of sits in between this spectrum. I like to think of it as the the kind of static HTML where every request is a page refresh. And basically every request, every page refresh is a new request to the server. The server spins up, parses and renders the templates and everything that it needs to and sends everything back. And that just happens over and over again as you're navigating a website. And then kind of on the other end of the spectrum is this kind of more Jamstacky approach where we have an API on the back end. Like in, if we're talking about Craft, the Element API, or maybe a GraphQL endpoint. And now we add, we make our websites or our apps more interactive by sending off Ajax requests to those API endpoints. And what we generally get back is JSON format. It could also be XML, but it's generally JSON and we parse that. And then we Maybe we have even JavaScript templates and we figure out how to put that back into the DOM, right? So so Sprig kind of sits somewhere in the middle where you get the interactivity, but you don't get JSON back. So you don't need to do any parsing of what came back. You don't need to figure out what the markup should look like. All of that is already handled because Twig sends back the rendered markup ready to go and it just needs to be swapped in. Now, does it do a diff? In other words, does it compare what change? I know a lot of the front-end frameworks do this, where they they know what the DOM is, they've got a shadow DOM, and they do a diff to see, and then they kind of patch in only what's changed. Is it doing that, or is it just slamming in the whole thing? So this this is where HTMX gets involved, right? So it's important to clarify maybe what that is. HTMX is a, is a JavaScript library that has not been around a very long time, but is actually a successor to a library called Intercooler.js, which has been around, I think, since 2016. It's quite a mature library. And uh, it's the same author. And I think rather than bringing out a new version, he decided, well, let's start over. And we all know this, right? You you do something once and while doing that, you learn everything that you did wrong and then you realize how you would like to build it. So right. I think he, sta- <laughs> he started over and, and kind of just took the best parts of Intercooler and put it into this library, HTMX, which is very much focused on listening to user triggered events on the front end and sending off Ajax requests and swapping the results out. And the nice thing for me as a craft plugin developer, and I like to think of myself as more of a backend developer than front end, is that I can take care of the plugin, which is PHP backend code, which handles the Twig stuff. And Sprig just requires this library, HTMX. It's its only dependency, really, besides Craft, obviously. And this is so, so now when we're talking about the swapping and 
updating the DOM were kind of in HTMX territory. And what HTMX does is it actually it actually does a straight swap of the DOM. So it knows which component or which DOM element needs to be swapped out, and it just literally swaps it out. There is an extension which allows you to use Morph DOM, which does a bit more of an intricate process of comparing what has changed within the within that element and only swapping out the text or or the elements that have actually changed. So it is possible to use that. In my experience, though, it's not necessary because we're talking about we're often talking about you know anywhere between ten lines of code and a hundred lines of code. Uh, so not code HTML. So I think a straight swap is is probably. One reason to use Morph DOM might be that it's more performant, right? That you don't need to swap everything out and then the browser doesn't need to reprocess the, the DOM. But when we're talking about small chunks or components, then in my experience, at least, the way it works is, is just fine. Yeah, it, it probably depends on what you're doing in terms of whether that matters or not. But you you mentioned something. We're going to get into it, Ben. You mentioned this. It. You said you're more of a more of a back-end developer. Mm-hmm. So be honest with me, is this, did you write Sprig? Did you go through all this effort, write this whole new framework? And did you decide to do it just because you didn't want to have to learn Vue or React? Is that what's going on here? <laughs> well, I've Tell used Vue. Um, we, look, we're developers and we build tools so that we don't have to do things you know, the, the way that other people have told us to do them, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, on on the one hand, yes, I I feel like I like Vue. I do. Uh, I've I've done a few projects with Vue.js, but when I need a little bit of interaction on a website, then Vue always feels like overkill. Like mm-hmm. it just feels mm-hmm. like too much. And I think JavaScript has inv- evolved so quickly and so much that the best thing about it, I find, is not having to write it. Like here's this library that does everything for us. All we need to do is add a few HTML attributes and it does the rest. It's, it's I don't know, it's a bit of, I guess, Tailwind CSS kind of sparked off this this revolution in, in how we think of our HTML code and and maybe Alpine I JS. I don't know. It's weird. It's so funny though, because depending on who you talk to, and on the show, we talk to a wide variety of people, like people that are in React land, you know, and, the, and, and some of those people are just like HTML, CSS, what's that? You know what I mean? Like literally 100% of what they're writing is JavaScript and React code. And they, that's it. There's nothing else to it. And it's just so funny that in this job, this career, you can have two people that identify as web developers and they will do nothing the same. <laughs> like the overlap will be close to zero. So, I mean, if if your answer to the my question was, yeah, like I don't feel like having to learn one of these languages because I don't think it's necessary for what I'm building. I mean, I think that's totally fine, you know? Yeah. There's I think there's a time and a place to use Vue.js and React. Um, mm-hmm. For for the majority of, well, yeah, I think for the, well, I don't want to say the majority, for, but for a large number of people in the craft CMS community, they just want to spriggle some reactivity around their websites. Did you websites. say spriggle? <laughs> did you say spriggle? You know I did. <laughs> oh my God. You're coining a new word. Okay, let's spriggle our websites. All right, go ahead. Continue. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but this is this is the age-old question, right? What what JavaScript library or framework do I reach for? Because we know we know that you need something. I mean, yes, you can be one of those hardcore, I'm gonna do everything in vanilla JS kind of people. And I've gone that gone down that yeah, route but as then- well. But then you end up you live with cats and you're miserable and it's just not it's just don't don't do it. So you so you look around and you see what the cool kids are doing and the cool, cool kids at the moment are doing Vue.js or Alpine.js. So you reach for those and those are great until you find yourself in a situation where you're just 
either out of your depth or you want to do something that the, that the library just won't do for you. So then, you know, you go looking for the next library. And I don't know, I, I like, I'm maybe a, a purist in some senses. I like to keep things simple where possible and pick the tool that that does the least, but gets me the, the furthest along the way. And, yeah, and that uh, makes sense. And that's what I've tried to do here. So Sprig, so Sprig is, it- is not for everyone. That's that's clear. I built it for, for people. And when I say people, I mean myself. No, I, I, I built it for people primarily who are uh, vested in or enjoy using Twig and are not really going down the Jamstack path full on yet mm. and want to be able to very easily and quickly add reactivity to their Twig templates and their websites and and keep things organized, I think, as, as well. I made an analogy on one of the one recent podcasts, and I'm starting to like it more and more, is that the technologies we use to build websites are like prescription drugs. And you should pick exactly what you need to treat your condition. Don't just raid your neighbor's medicine cabinet and stop popping whatever pills he's got, you know? Like the the problems that you're trying to solve when you're building websites with Craft CMS are probably very different than the problems that a React developer is trying to solve when they're building a website there. And I think it goes wrong on both extreme ends. Like people that use React for everything even like client brochure sites, it's probably not wonderful either, you know? Mm. But so you're, you know, getting back to this learning only what we need to learn. Do I need to learn HTMX in order to use Sprig? Is that something that I have? Is that because if we're doing this to avoid learning Vue and avoid learning React, now you're telling me I got to learn HTMX? Is that true? Well, no, not exactly. You don't have to. And that's why the, the cookbook exists with recipes. So if you if you just want to see how to dynamically load more entries, go look at the recipe and, and grab it. Sprig does have a syntax, which is very simple. You add, so first of all, there's using the Sprig function, which like I've explained, you just use can include. And then if you want to make elements, so uh, HTML elements such as links, buttons, uh, forms, if you want to make those reactive, then you it's pretty much you just add the sprig attribute. And then any other attributes, like if you want to define what user action should trigger that, then you use s dash trigger, which actually is a reflection of the syntax that HTMX provides, which is hx dash trigger. And we've just replaced that with an s, but it really just maps to what HTMX does. So So I don't really need to know HTMX at all, right? I can just use the Sprig syntax, but HTMX is there if I want to dig deeper and do more with it? Exactly. Yeah. Sprig can do everything that HTMX can do because it has direct access to it and requires it. But if you just, you know, want to use one of the examples, you can do that. And if you want to figure out what else can Sprig do beyond the recipes in the cookbook and be beyond the docs, even though I've tried to document every, well, not everything, um, everything that Sprig does and the, the kind of reference of what HTMX can do, uh, the complete reference is available in the HTMX docs. Yeah, that's what I was kind of trying to lead to is just that for people that are hearing about this and they say it's they think it sounds interesting and then they start hearing about this HTMX thing. I just want you to understand that you don't have to learn any of that stuff. There's a pretty simple syntax that Sprig uses. And granted, it's layered on top of this HTMX thing, but you don't really need to learn HTMX at all to use it. You can just take a look at mm-hmm. this the Sprig syntax and, and use that. So for anyone who is interested in this, it is really approachable. It's something that if you know Twig, you'll be able to pick up and start using this. You know, I can't imagine it's going to take more than a few minutes. Using the examples well, I- that 
Ben has in the cookbook. I think so. That's what I, I think that's what's so exciting about this. That's twofold for me. One is what Ben said about view is that it, one of the things I like about this, about Sprig and also about Alpine JS is that it allows you to have that reactivity without treating everything with the same hammer. Like we can realize like, oh, like we don't need something like Vue. And I hate to say like Vue is heavy, but I guess like compared to Sprig or Alpine, it probably is. We don't need to have all that. And then also I see Sprig and Alpine to a certain extent, but I think there's still a fair like learning curve there. It's more accessible to people that are spending their time building craft sites uh, where mm. they can get the same level of reactivity that they would if they use something like Alpine or Vue and where they just kind of need to sprinkle it in. So I see it as, as making this type of functionality more accessible to people. And I think that's, you know, as someone that teaches a lot of people that to me, that's, that's exciting. It, it gets people in with some, some nicer tools and, and nicer UX and interaction that they otherwise maybe wouldn't do because they weren't comfortable with writing the JavaScript, weren't comfortable with spinning up and learning how to use Vue. Yeah, so, so Ryan, we, Ryan and I did a, a live stream, I think a week ago. And Ryan, that was the first time that you had ever used Sprig, right? We, like we, we kind of talked to about what we might do beforehand, but you were learning while doing. And I wonder how that was for you. I mean, it seemed like you picked it up pretty easily. Yeah, once I understood the kind of what you laid out in the beginning is kind of just the, the general concepts of of what it's affecting and how it's affecting it. And really that it's like, you're still dealing with Twig then. And honestly, like it wasn't much different than just using, you know, figuring out how to use a plugin. What are the syntactical like sort of differences here versus just, you know, straight up Twig or any other plugin than it was. I think Ryan cheated. I think Ryan spent like eight hours the night before studying this thing and then came on the stream and just played naive. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. <laughs> no, I do that sometimes for effect, but that wasn't the case. <laughs> I don't was, think Ryan's a, a good enough actor to, to uh, well, what did, pull that what off. A, what a what a great way to just have complete insurance about uh, over any screw ups. Like yeah, yeah sometimes right. I sometimes I pretend to do that. So, <laughs> so so to be fair, like I did. So Andrew, you and I did a. I know you did a podcast with. with is it Caleb who did Alpine JS? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we did a live yep. stream as well, where we kind of were kind of stumbling through working with it and figuring it out. Yeah. So I and I actually pr- built a proof of concept re- replacing something that was using Vue with Alpine. And so I kind of knew going from broader to more narrow concepts that what it takes to do it in Vue, what it would take to do it in Alpine. And now I, I think like I would just go use Sprig for the same thing. Actually, I'm going to try to build the same thing. This is the the live search, Ben, which I think you said might be a little bit more complicated, but only because I think you were using Algolia, but I could be wrong. No, it's an element API endpoint. Element. Oh, well then, yeah, no, it's easy. I mean, yeah. easy. But you can do it with Sprig, <laughs> of course. No, I, I say easy because I'm. this is one thing that's really exciting to me. Every day I'm getting tweets from people who are saying, hey, I just picked up Sprig and was able to build this thing straight away really quickly. Right. And, and that is really cool. And, and Andrew, actually, I, I need to give you a bit of credit because you gave me the idea or you kind of pulled my arm to uh, to docu- document this as really well. Like you said, if if people don't know how to use it, then nobody's going to use it. Uh, when you told me that, I, I obviously, I already know this. Yeah, it's not about that. But <laughs> right. I was in the middle of this blog article where I was going to explain, you know, how Sprig works and with examples. And, and when you said that, I was like, 
what would I really like? You know, I don't want mm. a, a long article that I have to read just to figure out how this thing works. I just want to see some examples and real examples that I can interact with and play with. And then I and and then I realized that's so much more fun to me for me to do than to write a big long blog article and have to do the editing and all of that stuff. Proofing. Yeah, I think I sent you a link to the Tailwind UI, and I'm like, make something like this, so <laughs> you can just see a component and copy it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And and, and, and yeah. And I know that the list of things that I say to you that you know already is is probably monstrous. I'm I'm Captain Obvious, you know, I say the obvious, but every now and again, once in a while, you know. Once in a while you're spot on. Yeah. And you were in this case with your timing, especially because that article is still in a draft state. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, but I don't think anyone misses it, honestly, because I think right. the working examples with with code right next to them is is probably more useful because you know people don't read i mean people don't take the time to properly read they'll skim it's got to be a five minute read or less or they won't read it yeah <laughs> i know that from experience that's why everything i write i make sure is a five minute read i think you make an enor enormously good point though ben if it's the difference between people making just a kind of traditional site with no interactivity or going all in on a front-end framework in order to get that interactivity, a lot of people would just be like, eh, you know, it's not even worth it. So making something like Sprig, where the learning curve is low, in order to get some really nice interactive results back, may end up in people making sites that are much more dynamic than they ever would have before, just because it's, you know, the developer experience is so good. Yeah, I mean, that, I hope so. Yeah, and a lot of the a lot of the learning curve actually is about unlearning because we're kind of so set in our in our ways when we think about how Twig works that we think, okay, Twig only renders on a new page request. That that like one of the things I was doing with Ryan and I, I kind of saw it in your eyes, Ryan, that kind of moment where you got it, like it just made sense was when you realize, okay, this this Twig template can be requested at any stage not just for for a fresh page refresh it's not just an included as part of a bigger page re request it's something that reacts a bit more like it's as if i was writing javascript code and i can see what the what did the user just do what value did they just enter or what button did they just click and then with twig template logic we can do whatever we want and we can figure out what to show them next but that's right, that's so a we... really satisfying uh, thing to me to you know have all of my logic in one place instead of split up into two different places. And the same goes for templates. We haven't even talked about JavaScript templates. And that's the hard part. So anyone who has ever worked with Vue or React and a backend framework like CMS or Laravel or whatever it ends up being, the hard part about integrating the two of those is that you have two things that want to do the same thing. They both want to model the data and they both want to render the page. And that's where the tricky part is when you've got a hybrid kind of application. It's fine if you're doing you know, an all backend application, or it's fine if you're doing an SPA that's 100% JavaScript. I mean, that's great because they both have the model where I own the data, I render everything. It's when you try to do a hybrid approach, that's where the pain point is, right? Where you've got who's responsible for what, how do I pass data from one to the other, and all that kind of stuff is really where it ends up being painful. And it sounds like what you're trying to do in Sprig is eliminate that pain point by going back to just having a nice, simple model of Twig is the thing that does the model modeling and it does rendering. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's, there, there is one example that really stands out for me. And I think you've, Andrew, I think you've discussed this on here. So I'm going to 
take the liberty of assuming that it's okay for me to bring up, but it was about the NY Studio 107, I don't know if you call it a blog or articles page, but you have a listing page of articles, right? And when you get the bottom, you have a load more button, I think. I think that's how it used to be. I assume it's still the same. Still is, And I remember you telling telling me and maybe telling uh, the story on the podcast that when you click load more, if you look very carefully that the mm. border or the there's kind of yeah border in between the articles, the shade of gray is a little bit different after you click load more. Am I, I think it was one I font that? that's bold. I oh, think it's that, one that font it? that's bold and the other one isn't or something. Yeah. But it's a small, subtle difference is all that really matters. Yeah. Right. Yep. And that right. most people right. wouldn't pick that up, but but that you, your your wife or somebody who has oh, a yeah. keen eye. I remember this story. Yeah. <laughs> she identifies as German. She saw it instantly. So what is the reason for that? Like, why did that happen? So the reason that happened is exactly what we're discussing here. Mm-hmm. So in order to get a good page load time, when you load the articles index page, Pages, it, it renders that all in Twig. So it's all server-side render. It's static cache via fast CGI cache. So it's just boom. It's requested. It's there. Now, when you click load more, some interactivity has to happen. So what I did was, and this is painful and this sucks, but I redid everything that I did in Twig in view so that you click load more and it adds those in. And apparently either I screwed up the implementation or, and this is what happens just as easily when you have a code base that diverges, you have to make sure that you do any changes in both places. So it also could be that I decided to make it this particular headline bold in one place and I forgot to do it in both places. That could have been what happened, but that's the difference. And that exemplifies what we're talking about. You know, we've got two different things that are trying to do the same thing and that's where the pain is. to me, that feels like a compromise. Like I would, I would, if if we could just have our templates in JavaScript and Vue takes care of them, then fine. But mm-hmm. for some, yeah, sometimes for performance or SEO or whatever reason, or just because we like using Twig, we have our template code in Twig, and then we end up potentially in this situation where we have duplicate code and we don't like that. We hate that. And there are ways around this, right? So you can do server-side render view and partial hydrate, but it it ends up being, it's a lot of work. You know, it really is. That's why frameworks like Gatsby exist, for instance, or Gridsome or Nuxt or Next or all of these things. They exist because of the tooling behind doing all of this static rendering and partial hydrate, all that kind of nonsense is a real pain in the ass. So they exist to kind of do that for you. But yeah, I mean, it is it is problematic in terms of when you want to meet these two things together. You have to do it carefully. Otherwise, you're going to end up with something that doesn't work well. Now, what I could have done is I could have just written a view component that rendered these things. And the reason I didn't do that is I won't compromise on page performance. I didn't want people to have to wait until JavaScript was executed, view was loaded, view mounted my component, and then finally it rendered it. You know, I wanted it there right on page load. In order to go down that rabbit hole and make that happen, it is a big sprawling rabbit hole in order to do that. Like it is... (laughs) It is. You are radically and fundamentally changing how you do everything. So do you think that going to Sprig for that functionality, Andrew, would sort of be a a good middle road? I think, well, it would be way easier. Let's put it that way. Yeah. But, you know, this actually brings up a question that I had for both of you. So what do you do? I think this is a legit concern when we're at an agency and we're maintaining websites or whatever. What do you do when you develop a site and you decide to use Alpine or you decide to use Sprig and you have to think about (laughs) the next developer that takes over for it is going to be like, what the hell is this? Is that something that either of you folks have thought about? 
Well, I, I mean, it, I think it has the same answer that that any technology choice has, which is hmm. that it needs to be clearly documented in two areas. One is in some sort of readme in a setup area that explains the technologies that are used and how they're used, like what the dependencies are. And then if there's any relevant comments or uh, explanations you need to give at the sort of at the code level that you do the same thing. I don't know. I mean, I know what you're going after, right? Is that, are we just adding like another dependency to a project um, that someone has to understand how to use? It's it's that and it's the boutiqueness of it from the perspective of, you know, okay, let's say that you rewrote your entire site using Alpine and then you sold it to somebody and then they need to hire someone to maintain it and do something with it. That's, yeah, that's different than, you know, there's no, that's different than, than using a craft plugin that's built to work with Twig. I think there's a very little boutiqueness there. And I generally think that like trying to run away from the train of technical debt is a losing proposition. Right. Um, it's gonna it's gonna overrun you, and it's, that's not to say that you should take on as as just as much as you can bear, but it right. that you you're gonna have some, and you just have to make sure you make the right decisions, and the ones you do that they're just clearly documented. It's like environmental impact. We all have an environmental impact, but you can be conscientious about it and try to minimize it in terms of in terms of what you're doing. But no, I mean, you make, okay, so <laughs> in some ways I was fishing for an answer. So the answer I was kind of fishing for was, well, the learning curve with Sprig is so low that it just doesn't matter. You can onboard someone and get them knowing how it works in less than a day. You know, yeah, whereas totally. you yeah. could not say the same for Vue or Reactor. And Alpine is weird, though. Alpine is kind of in the middle where I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I love it. But the learning curve, I think, is high enough that it would take more than a day for someone to really do something with it. But also low. And, and in cases like that, you need a big ecosystem. That's why I'm, a, I'm more of a fan of picking a technology that has a large community behind it. Because then there's support, there's examples, there's all this kind of stuff. But if it's something like Sprig, where the learning curve is so low, I just, I don't think it really matters, you know? What do you think, Ben? Yeah, I totally agree with what Ryan said. I think if the alternative is that you write some vanilla JavaScript and throw it in a script file somewhere, yeah. that's that's yeah. no better, right? No. Because then you, <laughs> if you what don't about jQuery, it, Ben? What about jQuery? <laughs> that's the boutiquiest. <laughs> now it is, right? <laughs> I mean, I think that Alpine JS aspires to do a lot, and hmm. I remember uh, I, I was I joined in one of the in that live stream that you both did when you both used I think Alpine JS for the first time, and I remember that you one of the examples you chose. I remember thinking that is like the most complex thing that you can do with <laughs> Alpine JS. I think you did a for loop uh, because yeah. you're used to doing yeah. that in Vue. I, I understand, right. but Alpine JS didn't even have that in the beginning, right? It didn't have right. for loops in the beginning. And that right. was something that Caleb decided to add after the fact. Alpine JS is very much modeled on Vue.js. It tries mm -hmm. to, to do as much as possible while remaining small and nimble and what does he call it? Rugged. So, Rugged. Um, yeah. So, I mean, what I like about HTMX is that it's very focused on what it does, which is a small amount. Um, I didn't actually even say this, but uh, HTMX is very small in terms of the file size. It's seven kilobytes gzipped. It also doesn't have any dependencies. It works with IE11 out of the box, so there's no build step required. It has an extensible ar architecture as well, so you can extend it with extensions. But what I love the most is that I was able to require it through Sprig without having to write any JavaScript code myself or do any customization of HTMX. And the great thing for me about that is that there's nothing for me to maintain. There's a, ma there's a developer, a main developer and main maintainer of HTMX 
HTMX library and he's taking care of that and I can take care of the Sprig stuff. And in a sense, there's, they're, they're kind of decoupled because if, I don't know, if it went away and a, a different library came along, then, you know, we could hook into that or I could write so my own. So you did own. do it. So you did do it because you didn't want to write any JavaScript. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what it is. I'm not going to deny it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Ryan, you also were on the unfortunate HMS Sprigtail. You, the boat is smashed. You're floating in the water and I'm standing there and I say to you, Ryan, I'm extending a hand to you. I will save your life. I will pull you into the lifeboat, but you have to pick. Are you going to redo craftquest.io using Sprig or are you going to redo it using Vue? You got to pick one. Otherwise it'll let you sink. Which is it? Uh, Sprig. Nice. There you go, Ben. Your work is cut out nice. for you. Do you know, <laughs> you're not going to ask why, but no, good. Okay, why, why, why? I'm really a practical person, and I think that that it's a practical way to go if your goal is to further some sort of business goal or other goal, which is of shipping software that mm. does something for people right. versus just a technical endeavor. Yeah, you got to ship. You got to ship. Yeah. For sure. Okay, let me make it more confusing for you. I'm there extending my hand to you. I'm going to save your life. Now you can pick between Sprig, Vue.js, or Alpine. <laughs> dun dun dun. Well, I, I now still... you're basically asking him, do you want an apple, an orange, or a banana? Yes. Do you oh, want an, Ryan? Do you want an apple, an here. orange, or a banana? These are all things you can eat. What do you want? I'm going to still go with Sprig, but if I was doing like a complete rebuild and replatform where it was like a headless setup, then then mm -hmm. I would probably go. And I wasn't even using Twig. Then yeah, I would consider Vue, of course. Mm -hmm. But current state, if I was just refactoring in place, Sprig is the more sensible way to go. It's not yeah, like it does make more sense. It's not going to get you like smashing you're... mag or anything, but I think it's the more sensible way to go. Yeah, and and that's an interesting observation in that if you have an existing like brochure ish site and you want to bring some reactivity to it you know, or some interactivity to it, Sprig is a great way to just do it, right? Because you can just kind of add it in there without really doing much else. Yeah, I don't think that Sprig takes away from Alpine.js. Alpine.js is still incredibly practical and the two work great together. So maybe Sprig is enough, like for, for a small, well, for a site that doesn't have too much interactive elements, Sprig would probably work. But if you want to do, like if you want to show or hide things dynamically, and maybe this is actually important to highlight that each time you use Sprig, you, you are requiring an Ajax request, right? So this does require a round trip to the server, which... Mm -hmm. In my test is like takes up to 100 milliseconds, which feels like almost instantaneous. Like it's it's far too short to justify a loading spinner or something like that. But if you're using Alpine JS for this kind of th stuff, especially like if you're showing a dropdown or showing a modal or anything like that that doesn't need a round trip to the server, then that's going to be much faster. That is literally going to be instantaneous. So there there are definitely mm -hmm. use cases where you'll want to use Alpine JS over Sprig because there's no need. To to dynamically re-render a template. So I think the two, I mean, the two do work very well together. They don't, in my experience, they don't interfere with each other. I think they just complement each other. And I think that is probably a winning team. Like if you're going to team them up, then I would team up Sprig and Alpine JS versus Vue. You know, I'm just curious, what were some of your inspirations for making this? You said decided to make this for myself because I want it, but like, where did you get the idea for this? Like what, what made you decide, hey, this is a thing that I'm going to do? So I've been enviously watching over the Laravel community and what's coming out of there. And there's Laravel Livewire, which is also 
Actually, I think Caleb Porcio came up with Livewire first, and then he realized he needs something to do that other stuff. Like I was just talking about, like showing dropdowns and modals, and that is where mm-hmm. Alpine JS actually came from. So Alpine JS, I believe, originally is the companion library to Laravel Livewire, and Laravel Livewire is—I mean, Sprig is totally inspired by it. So Livewire is very similar, but it does a lot more. And it's obviously built for the Laravel framework. So there are definitely differences. Sprig is very much focused on craft and also very much focused on templates. The difference is that Laravel Livewire, you need a PHP class, actually, PHP file to respond to the request. And that often has an associated blade template file with it. And back when we had Caleb on here to talk about Alpine, I actually remember asking him about this. And I'm just like, well, you know, what do you think about you know, making this work inside of something with Craft CMS and Twig? Mm-hmm. And we kind of, the discussion went where you were talking about it, where, well, Livewire kind of requires a view. So if you're, if you're making something in Laravel, you're already writing stuff in PHP, that's a given. It's not a big ask for you to write a controller or something like that, or a view or or whatever. Whereas if you're making a site with craft, a lot of times you're using Twig and HTML and CSS, and it is a big ask for you to drop down to PHP and write stuff using it. And I remembered asking him, you know, what do you think about adding Twig support to Livewire? I sent him a message, you know, a couple months ago asking him about it. And he's just like, uh, I'm really just trying to get it working really well for Laravel first. And then you kind of picked up the ball and ran with it, right? Well, it didn't quite work like that. Because first of all, I thought, well, this would be cool to port over to either Yi or Craft. And then I looked at the source code and what he's actually done, <laughs> which is an incredible amount of work. Like it's yeah. it's really like a a phenomenon what he's what he's created and how much magic there is behind the scenes it's very tied to laravel but mm-hmm. also to blade templates and how they work right so when i saw that i was that and and he did all the the javascript front front end stuff as well so there's like the front end aspect there's the back end aspect and there's also some middleware right so it's this crazy huge library and i was like i i don't want to recreate that and, uh, and it's probably not abstract enough that you could swap twig for blade and it would just work right. like i'm right. guessing no yeah no so what what kind of led me down this road is I was I was just exploring what was I exploring I think it was after that show I was talking to some people on Discord and someone set me on to a library called Unpoly which is kind of similar to HTML K or probably sent that to you I'm sure K or sent you that right no, Kayer actually told me about HTMX and I'd already looked at it, but it was, but I dismissed it actually because it was at version 0.0.1. And I saw, and I took one look at it and I was like, okay, well, this is just brand new. And I, you know, I can't use a library that's at 0.0.1 because it sounds like yeah. maybe two just, people have used it. Yeah. You're just not confident enough in that. And come on. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, <laughs> I kind of just walked away from it. But uh, Kayer asked me if, if I'd seen it. And I said, yeah, I saw it, but it didn't impress me. And he said, what exactly? And I was, I didn't have an answer. So I went back mm. and I looked at it properly. And it was at that stage that I realized, oh, it's actually a really nice library. It actually has really good docs. And it's not something brand new. It is the successor of Intercooler JS, which, which I have heard of and has been used quite a lot successfully by many people. So it's quite a, a popular library. So then I started taking it seriously. And we're, we're literally talking about like, I think it was, I think 0.01 was released in May of this year. So it's like just, a, wait, May? No, March. No, it couldn't have been May. Maybe it was. But like, we're talking about a couple of months. 
that this has been around. Mm -hmm. But when I saw it, I started thinking, you know, the cogs, uh, the cog wheels started turning <laughs> in my mind. And I was like, oh, maybe I, maybe this could handle the front end aspect of what Livewire does. And then I could just handle the craft CMS aspect. Avoiding the JavaScript. <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> but, but I, but it hadn't even formed to that extent in my mind. I was just like, I was originally thinking of putting a wrapper on HTMX and just making it more accessible with, with Twig templates. But I, but I was always thinking, yeah, I, I guess I was always thinking Livewire is what I would like to have in craft. Mm, uh, and right. then as, as HTMX matured a bit, and I've, I've been contributing and sponsoring it actually as well to just help with the development of it. I saw that actually, yeah, this could work. So, so Sprig wasn't, Sprig is a very small code base. It doesn't do a lot. It's, there's very little magic. There's a couple of convenience methods specifically for craft things like when you send uh, action requests, CSRF tokens are sent automatically. So if you've ever done like Ajax requests with, with craft, then you've probably been bitten by the, you know, this, this request is unauthorized and you have to go figure out why. And it's because there's a CSRF token is missing. Mm-hmm. And that's the security feature, which you should not turn off. Uh, you should leave it turned on and you either need to figure out how to get a fresh token or let Sprig take care of it for you. So there's like, I, like, I just saw some nice opportunities there for making life easier for everyone. That's funny. I remember when I first started, I first started developing stuff in, in craft and I wrote stuff a little bit and then I found out about this thing called dev mode and I turned it on and, and nothing worked anymore. <laughs> it threw errors everywhere and i'm like oh this dev mode thing is stupid and i turned it back off (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness (laughs) yeah like we said this idea isn't new like livewire itself is inspired by something by a library called phoenix live view and and there's even PJAX, which has been around for a long time and discontinued. But one of the examples I'd like to go go and look at is GitHub. If you open the network tab in GitHub and you just kind of move your mouse around and click on a few things, you'll see that almost everything is loaded in dynamically through PJAX requests and it comes back as HTML and it's just swapped in. They do have full page refreshes, but whenever you do a search or whenever you inspect pull requests or authors or whatever it is, you'll very often see that this is exactly what GitHub is doing behind the scenes. So it's, yeah, or it's even not, you drop down a, if you drop down a menu to look at tags or branches, that's right. all dynamically loaded in. Yeah. 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 And I do recommend you look at that. It's, it's actually really interesting to, to see it happening. Oh, maybe they'll rewrite the whole thing in Sprig at some point, Ben. I mean, it's possible. Never know. Well, so I've got to ask you, Ben, a very important question. How much does Sprig cost? Sprig is free open source software, so it costs nothing. Oh, no, 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 no. I didn't ask you what the price was. Oh. (laughs) I know that it's free. I'm asking you, what does it cost you to support this new... In addition to your soul, that's a given. That was given away years ago. But in addition to that, what is the cost to you in terms of supporting this framework? Well... Monetizing it is and never was the the motivation for this. You know, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to build a tool that I would love to use and put it out there and other people seem to be enjoying it. So that that's great. I love that. That's you know, it's a really nice feeling to put something out there and to get a positive response and and in terms of support, I mean, at the moment, I guess I'm I'm still high on the energy, and I'm like happy to uh, help people out, and I'm hoping that by by creating good documentation, by creating more recipes, because I'm adding new ones every week, pretty much, that 
people will figure out how to help themselves and, and start sharing as well. So I can't really answer that question, but I, I enjoyed putting it out there. Maybe it's good karma. I don't know. But for now, I'm yeah. happy to maintain well, it and carry on. Yeah, well, here's the thing. Like I've heard people voice that they're worried about publishing something as open source because they don't want to have to support it. And I hate to break it to you, but most of the time when you release something, no one's going to pay any attention to it. It's going to be crickets. No one's ever going to hear from you. Know, like there's nothing <laughs> you're going to have to do with it. So the fact that people are starting to use this and you are having to help out a little bit with support, I think is something you should be proud of, Ben, because it means that you have made something that people are actually devoting some of their busy day to learning and doing something with because it really delivers something that they find worthwhile. So, I mean, I would think that that would be validating, to be honest with you. The fact that people are asking you questions, because that means they're using it, you mm. know? Yeah. And I, I'm happy to be like, I, I love being involved in things that people are using. I mean, I can't mm. imagine not having Tailwind CSS anymore or or Vue.js, Alpine.js, or just pick your open source library of choice, you know? Right. Well, and plus in a couple of years from now, when Sprig is super popular, you and I can start SprigQuest.io, right? And we can compete with Ryan over there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good to me. I, I did just want to say that Sprig is at the moment officially in beta. And I just want to clarify because to some people, like some people are messaging me saying, hey, when will it be, you know, when will you release 1.0? And I'm like, well, as soon as you, you know, give me feedback so I can verify that everything's working. But the reason it's tagged as beta is for people to start using and giving feedback. And it's, there's nothing left to be added. It's, as far as I'm concerned, it's feature complete. So, so you know, there's a contingent of people, Ben, that they're just like, oh, it's a beta. Cool. I'll wait until he releases it. Like that's, that. there's a whole group of people that that's what's going on. Yeah. And I understand that too. If you have a, a production site that's, that's, you know, I don't know, has, does mission critical things and I don't know, you just, it needs to be up then don't use a beta, of course. But if you have, you know, your agency website or your personal website or a website mm. that you're just in the middle of maybe halfway through the build and you're evaluating what, what libraries to use, maybe Sprig is the right choice. And I would like to, to release the 1.0 as soon as possible, but I also just I don't want to rush it. I mean, there's no, there's nothing rushing me really. So just so you know, Ben, I deployed it to craft quest <laughs> on a Sunday night to production. So I can always rely on you to deploy things as quickly as possible, Ryan. Thank you. Nice. But uh, was it the features that we built out the, the polling and the filtering? It is. Yeah. Both of those. Nice. So if people go to craftquest.com, they that will see I a polling thing. Oh, sorry, I, I O. They will see polling and By filtering. Ryan's low budget. He didn't shell out the money for the com. He got the I O. Come on. Here he told you he's very thrifty. Come on. <laughs> yes, they can go uh, to to the lessons section, and then there's the, the the if they're not logged in, they don't have like a premium subscription. They can they'll see the little tabs to filter the lessons. That's driven by Sprig. And then the polling for the live stream, they can just open the their dev tools and they can see every 30 seconds the polling. That's all driven by Sprig as well. Nice. Yeah. And th there are a few other people who have sent me live sites in production that are using Sprig. Maybe it's time for like, a awesome Sprig site, you know, listing of live sites using it or something. Or just a GitHub page. I mean, just something like that. I was about to say, I'm going to ask my wife, you need an official Sprig logo. I know you're using the herb emoji and that's all cool and everything, but we totally should get you an official Sprig logo that can be on that Sprig awesome site. Yeah. I like my Twimoji, but okay. <sighs> okay. All right. We can replace yeah. it. Ryan, Ryan, we'll have to talk to him about branding off air. Okay. <laughs> I, don't, I'm, I don't know what a Twimoji is, but okay. 
it's, it's it's the herb emoji. It's what he's been using for Twig. Well, my point is, it's it's not an emoji. Like it's it's actually a Twitter emoji. So it's um, mm. I think we oh. get it in Discord. But if if you do yeah. it in Twi- in um, like on a HTML page, you get a different icon. You get the yeah. the herb emoji. Twimoji is an open source Twitter emoji library. Oh, okay. Yeah. Pil. Well, you just learned something gotten... you didn't want to know or need to know. <laughs> Now that we've ended up at emojis, it's definitely time to end the show. That about wraps it up for another episode of the devmode.fm podcast. Uh, Make sure to subscribe. And if you enjoy the show, please write a review on iTunes. Tell a friend or retweet this episode. We really appreciate it. We'd also love to continue the conversation. Leave us a comment on devmode.fm or find us on Twitter at devmode.fm. For the devmode.fm podcast, I'm Andrew Welch. I'm Ryan Ireland. And thank you, Ben Croker, for coming on. Great. Thank you. for that whole episode <laughs> wish it would have been that good last night <laughs> i know me too i, I actually sure wanted we to were get... we're gonna have a sinking ship here oh, oh that's why i started that's one of the reasons i started out with that analogy too in addition <laughs> to what you're doing next week that's the other reason i assumed that this boat was gonna sink you know um, are you thanks for the are vote you, of confidence uh, piloting the ship ben or captaining the ship or the boat? I, I hope not